0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Heroism is endurance for one moment more. George F. Kennan.
2: Typically, the storms last for 20, 30 minutes, but these were lasting hours. And so we were one of the days I was the closest to being hypothermic I've ever been. Um, And I just had to keep hiking because I didn't know what else to do. I I couldn't even I couldn't button or unbutton my shirt like I couldn't unbutton my sleeves to roll them down. Couldn't do it. Literally, I could not do it. Bluebird day, right? You'd be walking along. Then usually about 10 a.m., you know, 9, 10 a.m., you start seeing the puffy clouds. You get a storm alert on your watch, right? be so like, okay. You start hearing, hearing rumbles then, you know, a little bit later in the afternoon. And then, yeah, basically it would just <laughs> descend like hellfire upon you. It did a couple times on me anyways. And, um, yeah, it would last just for i mean at least an hour mine were at least an hour the one where i was like almost hypothermic was definitely two hours at least and um just really interesting mountain weather because usually it's there and then over you're back to blue skies and it wasn't the case with this year for the ct
1: i'm doc and this is the john freaking mirror pod
0: John Freakin' Muir Pod, lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc,
1: it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you are not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. Hey, let's get to this week's guest. It is my pleasure to welcome back a former guest and a good friend of the podcast, Chad Lubinsky, also known as Chattahoochee. How's it going, Hooch?
2: I am doing great, man. Just fresh off of work, you know, and uh, living the dream like everyone says, right? So, yes, happy to be here
1: live in the dream. Now, as I remember from last time, you were on the uh podcast. You Chattahoochee is, is is that a trail name? Is that not really a trail name?
2: Right. So, well, I guess it's a college name, right? Uh okay. that's that's what I got in college. However, I did get a trail name.
1: Okay, on, that's what I was going to ask CT. about. All right. Mm-hmm. Yes. What would you so. end up with?
2: All right. So, well, I ended up getting poison sumac on the Colorado trail. Right. And covered my legs, my arms everywhere. Right. And so I had that for about two and a half weeks and I, which earned me the trail name of scratch. So.
1: (laughs) Makes sense.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'll keep, you know, maybe that might just be a Colorado trail one, but you know, that's, so that's what I was on the CT. All
1: right. Well, for uh, the sake of tonight's episode, do you prefer hooch or scratch?
2: We can do, I yeah, I love when you call me hooch for some reason. I, I love it. <laughs> Not that I like dream about it or anything. I just, I, I it's funny to me. I love it. So
1: It fits. I like it too. Yeah. That's good. Okay. We'll go with hooch. We'll go with hooch. <laughs> cool. okay, how did you, how did you end up with poison sumac?
2: Oh my God, dude. So I had the bright idea of cowboy camping my first night on the CT and I'm pretty sure it was right in like a patch of like poison sumac. Cause I got in at night flew in real late. Waterton Canyon had to do the nine miles in to the first water source. And yeah, I'm pretty sure I just laid my stuff out in this poison sumac. I thought it was these biting flies and stuff for the longest time until it started like bubbling, you know, and it was, it was crazy, man. It was probably the worst part of the CT for me. It was, it was terrible. Yeah.
1: Ouch. That is something, man. Yeah. Making camp in the middle of a bunch of poison sumac.
2: Yeah, well, and then you know it's the it's Colorado Trail, and I w- learned real fast that it can storm at any time of the night. Started storming at like 2 a.m. that night, so I had to like set up my tent in the dark, which was a new tent. It was a trekking pole tent, you know. So I'm trying to. F- it was the worst pitch ever that the gossamer gear the one has ever seen. So, but
1: okay, hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to that trip in just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I. You have been a past guest on the podcast. So you are very well aware of the pro tip inside of the week, and maybe the pro tip this time is you know don't 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 uh, put your campsite right in the middle of a bunch of poison sumac.
2: Yes, <laughs> I think that's a great one. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yep. We'll see if
1: anything else comes up during the yeah. episode here. Hey, have you been listening to the podcast?
2: Absolutely, Doc. We were just talking a little bit. Um, the Gabe and what was his name again? Kevin. Gabe and Kevin. Uh, those guys are just killing it. I loved that. I love that podcast. Um, and they've been on, they're repeat people too, because I listened to their first one. And then uh, Re- Miss Rebecca uh, Little Skittle. Little Skittle was listening to that one as well. I'm going to be listening to the jujitsu one that you were just talking about. So I can't wait for that one. And yeah, I've been listening to other ones mixed in there as well. So yeah, solid podcast, man. Love it. Nice,
1: nice. Yeah. Thanks for coming back on. We love to talk to uh, to folks like you, you've got some great stories to tell and just remind us a little bit, you know, what, what exactly are your interests? Cause I know you, you, you aren't just a through hiker. You've got other interests as well. You are, as I, as I recall, you're, you're a trail runner and a, an ultra runner. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I consider myself an ultra runner yet until I do a hundred. I think, I think, I, I think that's like the barrier I need to meet. Uh, but yeah, so I, I've really liked within the last 12 months is going light and fast in the mountains. I think that's really, what's really appealing to me. And I'm really getting into like more high route stuff, Sierra high route, Mm -hmm. wind river high route, and just these weird kind of traverses and stuff like that. So I think that's where I'm kind of trending Uh, and some mountaineering goals as well too. I got coming up. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Have you done some marathons?
2: Well, we did a trail marathon a couple of days ago up in uh, by the Mount St. Helens, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't done an official marathon, but I've done them like in training and stuff like okay. that, and some fifty ks, and you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah. All
1: right. So I knew you were coming on tonight. I've got I've got some advice I need to ask you because I you know I went out on the Sierra, uh, the southern half of the JMT, 125 miles. I came back and was just you know feeling great after that. And, and it actually happened in the middle of my marathon training. I'm training for the San Diego rock and roll marathon coming up here at the end of October. And after I got back from the Sierras, I was just, I've, I've been killing my runs ever since, you know, just yeah, n- feeling great out there. And, yeah. you know, I've got, I've got a wedding to go to this weekend. And so just yesterday I ran 15 miles and I, I, I ran it in what I ran 14 miles uh, about, a, about a year ago. And so same same time. And so I'm, I'm really, feel, really feeling great right now in terms of training and I don't want to lose that. Right. And so I've got this wedding that I've got to go to in Mammoth this weekend and I'm going to lose out on my Saturday and Sunday. And so how do I get in the long run? So I was thinking about doing uh, the training this week calls for five, five and five on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then maybe getting up super early on Saturday and maybe not doing the 17 that i had planned but maybe doing maybe 8 to 10 what yeah. do you think
2: i think that's a great idea okay when it, when is your when is your marathon
1: october 24th
2: yeah so it's it's coming up so i was actually just recently listening to a podcast and they were saying especially you know cuz we're very type a people we love we love endurance stuff right and we're like more 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 right and they said you know there's plenty of chances uh, to get slower, the closer it is to your event, but not a lot of chances to get faster. Mm-hmm. So if you keep that in mind, like, you, you know, you're kind of closing in on that marathon where you're pretty much already peaked and like, you just really need to kind of maintain and cruise instead of like over train. So I think that is a perfect, perfect solution to it. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So yep. we'll, we'll, we'll dial it back to eight to 10 this, this Saturday morning yep. early, and then we'll yep. go back up the next weekend for a little yep. bit. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. I thought I'd check with the expert. Thank you.
2: Well, expert. I don't know. I just listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> hey, you're on, a
1: pod- you're on a podcast. You're an expert. I, yeah. You, 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 you play an expert on, on the This podcast. is a
2: meta, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm.
1: All right. Hey, Hooch, I don't know if we were doing this last time you were on, um, but we're, we're now doing the must-bring gear review sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Outdoor Vitals. And so here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better.
2: Yeah. So, so I'm go, gonna... go ahead. Yes, we were doing this last okay. time and I forget what the heck I said. I think it was like a sleeping pad or a pillow. I think it was my sleeping bag. Actually, I'm going to go out of left field here. with A little bit of a spinoff. Love it. Uh, so I love filming my hikes right? Mm-hmm. So I have to have something to fill my hikes. And I, something I recently picked up was the GoPro nine. I've been against getting a GoPro for the longest time. This thing is awesome. I, I'm so happy with this thing. It's on a little tripod. You can stick it in your little pocket and you can just extend it. You can, it's great. It's been awesome for me. You don't have to use your phone. You're, you know what I mean? That's what I was doing on the JMT. And so this is just like totally separate. Batteries last a pretty good long time. And, um, it's been great for me. been great.
1: Okay. I'm inter- I'm, I am interested in this because my daughter had suggested, well, no, why don't you take a, take a GoPro out there? And I'm like, you know, GoPro, that's like, you know, action stuff. That's like, you know, yeah. surfing and skiing and skydiving, that kind of stuff. How do you, how do you use effectively, how do you effectively use a GoPro on a through hike?
2: Yes, that's dude. That's such a good question. And and that's exactly how I felt about it, doc. Literally the the exact same thing. I'm like, I'm not surfing or something, you know, I mean, I just use it. I use it literally just as I did my phone, really. Um, It's, you know, it's got different modes, like the super view and all this. I usually leave it in like one of two modes, which is like just the wide or linear. So linear is like a little bit closer cropped. Wide Mm -hmm. is for good where you set it down and you can walk and do your, you know, your um, static shots or whatever. Um, and other than that, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same thing as like any other camera. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just handy. It's small. It's, you know, you okay. don't have to be doing, you don't have to be jumping off cliffs to make anything look cool. Cause it looks exactly like it would, on filmed on a phone or a real nice camera to me anyway.
1: Okay. So you don't, you know, on day one of the hike, you, you break camp and you, you, you leave, you don't hit the on button on the, uh, the GoPro and just let it go all
2: day then. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. That, Yeah. And that's actually one of the cool things about the GoPro as well is like when it's off, you can actually just hit the top and it's just hits and then it just starts recording. It'll just power on. It'll start recording. You can set it down, do whatever you got to do. And then you just hit that record button again and then it just powers off, which is great. It's just kind of real streamlined, kind of one-stop shop thing. And, and then boom, put it away. And I just, I even bring it with me running now. I mean, it's just so small and handy. It's just it's just right there, you know, and the best camera you have is the one that you will use. Right. So yeah, well, I'd recommend I like that I like yeah. that.
1: The best camera you have is the one that you will use. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's, that's kind of profound for you. Hooch. I,
2: I think I heard it on another podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Hey, did you have any kind of, um, uh, associated gear with that? you mentioned a tripod. Is there a waterproof mm-hmm. case that you brought or anything like that?
2: Great question. Ooh, great question. Here's a hack for you. So yes, I had like a a small little tripod. It was only a few inches big. It kind of extends out a little bit, but not too, not too, too uh, much. Now the one thing I never did a, what's called a media mod to this, which is like a case over it where you can attach an external microphone and everything. Because my thing was, I wanted it to be handy, not bulky, not take up a lot of space, be light. Right. So you can, you can plug in those external mics. But for me, what I did was I found this video and to cut down on the wind, you can actually use double-sided tape, go around the speakers, the external speakers, and then um, take a little piece of like a dead cat is what they call, is what they call it. Like in, (laughs) yeah, I know the dead cat, which is like a little piece of fur, basically that, that uh, videographers use, you know? And you just put that on the double-sided tape over the speaker and it cuts out basically all of the wind noise that you would have. And honestly, I think that the GoPro just in itself has really good audio. It's better than a phone for sure. So that coupled with that was a good solution for me Um, and, and a good little hack I think if anybody's gonna bring one along.
1: Okay. And you just find the piece of dead cat on the trail or?
2: Yeah. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as you're rolling in there and taking your shuttles to wherever, you know, you've stopped on the NOSFAD, <laughs> but yeah, no, just off of Amazon again. And and it, I mean, you get a dead cat piece or whatever, and it, I mean, you can make hundreds of pieces out of this thing. Right. So I like right now it kind of, uh, it'll periodically come off probably every three months or so for me. And so I just have to do it again, which isn't a big deal, but yeah.
1: Got it. And has your gear changed since the last time we, we talked, have you changed up your kit at all or remind us what's in your, what's in your bag when you're out there on a multi-day hike?
2: Yeah, I actually got a new tent, the Gossamer gear, the one, which is the trekking pole tent. And uh, that
1: was, what do you think of that?
2: You know, it was great. It was cool. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know about the condensation part of it and that could be my bad because I'm not, you know, real good at locations to set it up. Right. But sometimes I'll be like, Oh, I won't get any condensation here. And then I got boom condensation. Sometimes I'll think I will have condensation and then I won't. And it's like kind of weird. So yeah, I don't know what I think of the single wall tents yet. Okay. What do you have? Cause I thought, did you have one like that? So I,
1: I, I recently, the recent, most recent trip I took, uh, a- uh, helium outdoor research, helium bivy. So I was, I was low profile and, uh, feeling like a a mummy in a a sarcophagus. Uh, it was, it was entertaining at times and and not so entertaining entertaining at other times, but um, I just got, um, a single person ultralight tent from outdoor vitals. So I'm excited to try that out. Haven't, haven't tried it out yet, but, uh, looking forward to it.
2: Is it double wall?
1: it got is the, got the fly a, on it yeah it's got a fly on it right yeah, yeah
2: so probably yes probably yeah so like you know obviously with the single wall tents you're you're cutting down on weight right mm-hmm. is is the cool part and that's right. why i got the gossamer gear however i felt like i was making up weight when i would you know i would try to dry it off in the morning you can't dry it everything off so then i'm sitting it in my pack and it's heavy it's like So I don't know exactly where I was maybe deducting weight or if I wasn't. So I, the cat's still out of the bag of that one. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, Other than that, just, I got some new trekking poles, those black diamond um, distance Z's Mm -hmm. and they're just the kind of the static 120 centimeters. And I, I've really taken a liking to those too. static.
1: Yeah. So like not adjustable.
2: They're not adjustable. Now I picked these up after the CT, but, Both of them together are the weight of one of my old trekking poles of just one. So I've just been using those and then they fit perfect with my tent uh, setting it up. So, yeah.
1: Right. You buy those to size? Yes. Okay.
2: Yep. Yep. Got it. So they were nice.
1: Got it. All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit. Remind, remind the folks out there, uh, what's your background? Where'd you grow up and what are you doing these days to pay the bills?
2: Yes. So background is from the Midwest, Wisconsin moved out West in. Oh, I'm sorry
1: about your Packers yesterday.
2: Yeah. I heard Rod. I don't think he's happy. I don't know. I don't even really watch it anymore, but like, yeah, that's what I hear.
1: (laughs) That was really unexpected. You know, you you never, you never turn and tune into a a Packers game and see them get routed by somebody that was uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. I heard they got rocked. I don't Mm -hmm. know what's up with that, man, but I, You know, probably that's probably why I didn't call my dad today, because he would have been in a pretty sour (laughs) mood. He takes it pretty hard. You know,
1: he's a cheesehead from way. back.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, moved out to Oregon 14 and uh, just been doing outdoor things ever since. And right now I'm doing uh, I have like a nine to five uh, doing cognitive behavioral therapy for the uh, for Yamhill County in in McMinnville, Oregon. So that's what I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, doing, trying to do some side stuff right now and see where that takes me.
1: Okay. And we're, we're in a transitional phase. Like all of us are in a transitional phase with, you know, the, the world that shut down for 15 to 18 months and we're slowly making our way back to in-person, uh, work. And so how's that going for you?
2: Unfortunately, yes, we are. I really loved the virtual groups that I was running. I loved it. I felt like you got 95% of everything that you could have um, cut down on a lot of my clients' transportation issues, which a lot of them don't have driver's license because they got in trouble with the law and blah, 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 right? Anyway, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, we're going back to in-person and that's the way it's going to be, I guess. You know what I mean? So uh, it's been a, it's been a rough transition back for me because I love remote working. Um, Mm -hmm. you can get so much extra things done during the day. Um, but now I feel like I'm jam packing it and having to be really efficient with my time, which is a pro of it. I have to be more efficient. So,
1: yeah. And we always enjoy scary stories from the trail, but you know, you working with the clientele that you work with, I mean, do you have, do you have uh, any, any scary stories from any of your sessions? Are you ever in a situation where you thought, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here with this guy?
2: Yeah, plenty. uh, But probably not good for the podcast. (laughs) Those would probably have to be off air. (laughs) That's a great question, though. Yes, for sure.
1: All right. So let's talk about what you've been up to since the last time you were on the podcast. Last time you were here was March 6th, 2021, which was season two, episode eight. And here we are on season three, season three, episode 10. So. Almost a full season later, what, what, what kinds of things have you been up to, Hooch?
2: Well, Colorado Trail for sure. That was a that was a big one. That was probably my biggest one. And ran my first fifty mile ultra, which was great. Okay. Um, ran a couple fifty k's in between there uh, done some random off trail traverses, some high routes and stuff like that in Northern Washington as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I'm just trying to continue down that path, man. I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my next big adventure is going to be next year, which I think is going to be next year is going to be an interesting year.
1: Okay. Well,
2: let's hold on to that thought.
1: Let's talk about the Colorado trail. So, Does that that go from one end of the state to the the other?
2: You know, it's kind of weird. It actually goes from Denver to Durango, Colorado. So it's actually, you know, Denver's kind of at the, you know, almost not middle, but like, you know, kind of, I don't know where you would say it was. And Durango's not quite at the end of Colorado either. But so it kind of goes almost kind of Southwest-ish from Denver, I would say. Yeah. And it kind of snakes around real interesting kind of, yeah, angle. Uh you would think it would go the whole Colorado, right? But yeah, it's mostly just through like the best, you know, from the front country of Denver to and then it ends kind of in the San Juan. So just basically the best of the Rockies in the in Colorado.
1: Nice. And how how long is that is that trail?
2: 486 miles.
1: 486. Did you do it solo? Or did you take somebody with you?
2: No, it was all it was solo, man. Yep.
1: Wow. What, what time of the year did you go?
2: I went, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this before the fires hit. This is going to be great, man. You know? So I went, I started June 30th and ended uh, near kind of mid July ish or so. So, um, June
1: 30th to mid July.
2: Yeah. So it was like July 22. I think I finished or something like that. So um, it's,
1: little over three weeks and you did 486 miles in a little over three weeks.
2: Yeah, it was, I, I like, it was 22 days and a quarter of a day because I got in real late on the 30th. I, I dropped at like five, 5 PM and then hiked in. And so, yeah, like, no, like it was like 22,
1: 22 miles a day.
2: Well, I, I say that I had to do it in order not to get fired from work. Right? <laughs> like,
1: oh, I see. So, You're, no wonder you like the Gabe and Kevin episode because yes. they, they had to fast pass. they were going to run the yes. JMT and figure out they couldn't do that. And they only had a week to do it. So they just right. extended their hiking hours. <laughs> same, is, same kind of concept.
2: Yeah, which is hilarious, dude, because the JMT's terrain is just it's still insane. I still think that mile for mile, the JMT was tougher than the CT for sure. Really? Yeah. I just, I think the the JMT, the rocks and it's just so slow going and the, the elevation, you know, yeah. Mile for mile for me, the JMT was tougher. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. What kind of elevation did you, did you encounter on the, on the CT? I
2: think their, their highest was about 13,200 and some feet. That was the high point. There was a stretch of days where I was just above 11,000 for Three, four days, or something like that, and you know, no getting nosebleeds, and the thunderstorms were nuts. Uh, that was a whole whole thing with the CT. The weather was crazy. It was during monsoon season, so every afternoon you were getting thunderstorms. Um, whereas, I, you know, same thing kind of happened to me on the JMT. However, it seemed like it would kind of pick a canyon to storm in but dude, the Colorado trail would just level you, dude. It was just come out of nowhere and just bam. And, it, and uh, the locals were saying that it was a very weird year. They said that typically the storms last for 20, 30 minutes, but these were lasting hours. And so we were, one of the days I was the closest to being hypothermic I've ever been. Um, and I just had to keep hiking because I didn't know what else to do. I was, so, I couldn't even, I couldn't, button or unbutton my shirt like I couldn't unbutton my sleeves to roll them down couldn't do it literally I could not do it
1: so so take us through that day so I've had I've got family in Colorado I've been out there to visit when I was a kid and I remember the storms just kind of rolling in in the afternoon I mean the morning would be you know blue skies everything perfect and then it would just the weather weather would roll in so take us through this this stormy time on on the, the CT and how did did the day start out cold did did or did the temperature drop during the the actual event
2: Yeah, it was kind of interesting because it just like you're saying, Bluebird Day, right? You'd be walking along, then usually about 10 a.m., you know, 9, 10 a.m., you start seeing the puffy clouds, you get a storm alert on your watch, right? To be like, okay, you start hearing hearing rumbles then, you know, a little bit later in the afternoon. And then, yeah, basically, it would just (laughs) descend like hellfire upon you. It did a couple times on me anyways. And um, yeah, it would last just for... I mean, at least an hour, mine were at least an hour. The one where I was like almost hypothermic was definitely two hours at least. And, um, just really interesting mountain weather. Cause usually it's there and then over you're back to blue skies. And it wasn't the case with this year for the CT.
1: And did you have the appropriate gear with you?
2: I did. Yeah. Um, well, I thought I did. I will say this, my, you know, I got so soaked that my frog togs, you know, rain jacket was useless. Uh, it just soaked right through. Um, I mean, that was like the biggest thing I, and I didn't bring like rain pants or anything like that. And so, yeah, I I think knowing that now, like the frog togs is great when it's, you know, 20 minutes or something like that, but when it's lasting hours, you can't, it goes right through it, man. It just soaks it.
1: Right. And what altitude were you at when, when the storms came through?
2: That was that was in the high country still, so probably still about eleven eleven thousand feet, I would say ten to eleven thousand, yeah,
1: wow, thunder and lightning,
2: oh yeah. I I, I mean,
1: there's no, there's no cover at 11,000 feet. You're above the tree line. So what what do you do in that situation?
2: So, yeah, there was, so the that, that, in that case, I had to, I got to the top of the saddle, right? And yeah, you're right. There's no cover, right? And I'm looking around and it was dark. I thought it was heading the other way. I even take an Instagram story. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it looks like it's pretty bad heading the other way. Right. Dude, within five minutes, this thing is on me. And it just starts hailing, just hailing. So I have my GoPro, right, which is great. It's waterproof, right? So I'm like, I'm trying to run to the tree. So I'm trying to make a beeline to the trees. I'm just getting bam, peppered with hail, peppered, 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 and just get soaked. And so finally I get to the trees and I try to take cover under like a smaller tree. I take my Tyvek sheet. I put it over my bag. I try to put it over me. And I'm still just like, it's literally raining so hard that it's soaking through the thick trees and just getting all over me. Right. I I don't know what to do. And so I'm just sitting there shivering, just shivering, shivering, shivering. I'm like, my teeth are chattering and everything. So I try to like move spots. I don't know where to go. And finally, I'm just like, I'm literally there for an hour. And I'm like, I gotta like, I gotta generate heat. I don't know what else to do, man. So I try to start hiking a little bit. I only get a maybe a quarter mile and I stop again under another tree and I try to do jumping jacks, stuff like that. Not really helping. Seems like maybe it was letting up towards the direction I was going to hike in. So I keep going. And, um, I eventually I warmed up, but it took, it still took a couple hours for my hands to like work. And again, for me to unbutton my sleeves and put them into long sleeve mode. And it was, it was a learning experience. We'll, we'll say that. So.
1: What do you think the temperature dropped down to?
2: Oh, it had to be in the fifties for sure. And which doesn't sound cold, but when you're wet and you're you know, now it's going to be, you know, now it, it, it was at 5.00 PM too. So now like it's getting to be dark. Right. And like, and so and you're hoping your, your backpacks not, you know, totally drenched inside. Right. Which was great, which I had, I was running a Nylo flume pack liner. And that was great. It worked good. But I, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh my God, if my sleeping bag soaps and all this, I am going to be so screwed, you know? Oh, and I had lost my first aid kit in the airport. Didn't know that until about day five or something like that. And so I didn't have my emergency, blanket. I didn't have any of that stuff, you know? So I was stressing out a little bit there. And, um, thankfully I, I, I was okay. The sun kind of popped out a little bit. I tried to get dry and, um, it, it worked out, but I can, you know, there was a lot of people on the Colorado trail Facebook group prior to me going out that were bailing in the San Juans because of the weather. And they were just like super, almost hypothermic, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, well, I hope this passes before I get there, you know, and it, that system stayed. So it was crazy. Yeah.
1: So what are the proper steps to take? If you are soaking wet, it is uh, just about sunset and you're, you're setting down uh, getting ready to camp I mean what what kind of precautions did you build a fire were you able to build a fire I mean what, what are the steps you should take to try yeah. and keep yourself safe out there
2: well that would have been great but I was cold soaking the whole time so I didn't have a lighter didn't have my first aid kit right nothing like that uh, I, I would say yeah I mean you definitely for me I, I guess you know and I'm no wilderness survival expert but for me you got to like generate heat so that's why I was like Jumping jacks, trying to get, you know, trying to hike uphill. I knew that would kind of generate heat for me. Um, and, and then get into your sleeping bag. Hopefully it's dry, and then hopefully that heat will start reflecting on you, you know what I mean? And you can you can get warm that way. I know you also got to cover like the real exposed places on your on your body, which would be like your hands, your face, and the bottoms of your feet. I was listening to another podcast, and that's like big. So if you're trying to rewarm somebody warming their palms of their hands, their face, and then like the bottoms of their feet. That's like the perfect way to um, get them, get their core body temperature back to baseline. And then so same if you're trying to cool off. So uh, opposite there, but that's what I would do. Yeah.
1: Okay. Very good. I was talking to Jose Zambrano a couple of weeks ago, telling me about his story on the JMT and how they ran into some, some bad weather. He and a buddy of his, and like you said, the hail, the lightning, the thunder, the whole deal, they were soaked and they ended up uh, I I believe I, I want to make sure I got this right, but uh, Jose, if I got this wrong, I apologize. But it sounded like the two of them basically stripped down to basically nothing while they were setting up their their uh, tents to get out of their 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 cold soaking yeah. wet clothes, and then climbed into climbed into their tents and and managed to to warm up with some dry stuff that they had in their bags. But
2: interesting,
1: quite yeah. a sight, I imagine, two guys in their skivvies uh, <laughs> setting up tents.
2: Yeah. No kidding. Right. In the middle of a storm. Yeah. But no, that's, that's a great point. Cause like, yeah, cause your, your stuff is, is just so cold and, you know, and clammy on top of you. And it just, it's not a fun place to be, dude. It was, it was definitely very scary.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And let's go, let's go. You said cold soaking. Let's go back to that. How how long (laughs) did you, did you cold soak the whole trip?
2: So, you know, what's funny is because when I was listening to that uh, little Skittles episode, you you guys were talking about cold soaking and stuff like that. And I was like, God, that, you know, I feel like she makes some good points here, you know. And uh, yeah, no, it was great. I, I enjoyed it. I think the ramen noodles were the best for sure, by far. Quinoa kind of sucked. I didn't like. And then the instant mashed potatoes I got sick of after the second package. So ramen was clutch. I love the ramen. And yeah, man, I mean, it was pretty simple. Did you you
1: spice up the ramen with anything or was it just cold soaked ramen?
2: (sighs) Yeah, just, uh, you know, some tablespoon of olive oil and uh, like a tuna packet or a salmon packet, something like that. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, by the end of trail, I'm trying to jam two, you know, ramen packets at that point because I'm just so hungry, ravenously hungry and stuff like that. So, but yeah, honestly, it wasn't as bad as I I thought it was going to be.
1: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I gave it a shot on the on the JMT the the last uh, few nights I I broke down and and got into my my buddy's uh, stove and uh, heated up some food because, you know, I I couldn't go another another night with smelling their their warm, hot food and and me just sitting over here in a corner sucking down the cold stuff.
2: Such a great point. I think the worst part of cold soaking is if you're with somebody else that has hot food. Agreed. If you're by yourself, it's not a problem, I don't think. We, we, you're exactly you start smelling it and it's like oh gosh i just want to like warm up with yeah totally that's a fair right. point
1: maybe maybe I'll, I'll cold soak again on a solo hike
2: yeah i think that's better okay <laughs> good point
1: all right hey we're gonna take a quick break when we come back i want to get into your 50 mile ultra i've got some big questions for you on that so stay tuned we'll be right back nice From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents and new standards in water filtration and with every sawyer product you buy you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters every sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity choose sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long The John Freakin' Mearpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Welcome back. We're talking to Hooch. Just uh, finished sharing about his Colorado trail trip uh, filled with poison sumac and thunderstorms and uh lightning monsoons cold soaking (laughs) fun stuff you make it really sound appealing hooch yeah were there any were there any great moments on the trail
2: oh yeah of course uh finishing i'm just kidding um (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the trail magic was great on the trail. Uh, The, you know, uh, getting into the towns and seeing the support of locals was really cool. Yeah, seeing some of those trail towns was super cool as well. Um, Obviously, the high country, I think the first 100 miles to me were really boring of the the CT. You're kind of in the front country. It's kind of deserty dry. But the last, when you're in the San Juans, that's definitely the best part. Like, just high country, you know, you see as far as the eye can see and yeah, just all sorts of interesting stuff up there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think if you've been in the Sierras, like you have been the right. JMT and you've been, you, I think I heard you say wind river range.
2: I haven't been there yet. That's, that's a, that's a 2022. Okay.
1: Though. All right. All right. Very good. But if you, if those are your kind of places, I mean, right. you definitely want to be in, in the back country of, uh, of
2: Colorado. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Yep. Nice.
1: Now, how are the logistics of getting out there? Cause I know that you're in Oregon right now. So did you yeah. uh, fly out there, drive out there?
2: Well, I'll tell you this, it was hundred times easier than getting to the JMT trailhead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I just flew to Denver. I had a buddy and that I actually ran the 50 miler with, and okay. he picked me up, just took me to Waterton Canyon, which is like South of Denver like 30 minutes or something like that. Or I, I can't remember and just dropped off and it was all in one day, like in the afternoon and just boom, right on trail, man. It was awesome. And <laughs>
1: yeah. that's when you encountered the poison sumac.
2: Yeah. That was when I met poison sumac. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs> now, speaking of Oregon, um, I know you live in Oregon yeah. and there are a ton of fires going on in Northern California and yeah. in Oregon. How's how, What's, what's it like up there right now?
2: So right now where we're at, it's, Like I said, we're on, you know, kind of coastal a little bit more. And the smoke here hasn't really been an issue too much. Mm -hmm. Last year at this time, it was really bad. We had three big fires that were pushing smoke here. But this year it's been fine. But everywhere that I try to go and hike, it definitely is affecting it. Um, Oh, my God. There's a cat that's just meowing his butt off. Hey, JC, you want to take that cat somewhere? (laughs) is what happens. When-
1: <laughs> Take some of um, cat. Use it on the GoPro.
2: <laughs> yeah, he wants food or something. You got to go out, cat. We got we got stuff to do anyway. um Yeah, so it's been affecting where I've wanted to go. Canceled some plans and stuff like that. But it hasn't been as bad as a lot of people that I've talked to on Instagram, stuff like that. Especially it sounds like one just happened in Kings Canyon and Secchi and stuff like that. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, so hasn't been too bad.
1: Now, have I just been paying more attention the last five, six years, or is this ha- has this become a bigger problem in recent years with the fires?
2: No, you're, yeah, dude. I, I mean, I've only been out here for you know seven years. I don't remember this ever really happening until like twenty seventeen ish around, yeah. maybe twenty sixteen, I guess. But it's, it's unreal. It's you know, it's it, like I was saying. I started the JMT June end of June into July, because I thought I was going to be good from fires. Mm -hmm. But it turned out there was a couple fires that happened in Colorado early. And then some of the Oregon fires and California fires were blowing smoke towards the CT. And so when I actually had to hitch back into trail after getting new shoes, I couldn't even see like a quarter of a mile, you know, from those fires. And so then at that point, I was thinking, okay, for me, hiking in smoke isn't it's like a long-term thing, right? Like it's, I don't screw around with that. So I was like, well, if I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to come back out here and finish the next half of this because I'm not going to hike and smoke for days and days and stuff like that. It's not healthy. So Mm -mm. it's not good for you, man. And I think sadly, I think, um, you know, August, September in the West is going to be, you know, that's kind of a toss up for whether or not you can do your trips because,
1: is this the new normal?
2: I think so. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. I think so for sure. Yeah. That's
1: terrible. I saw a headline somewhere online uh, asking the question, you know, is the PCT going to be completable with the current, current level of uh, fire dangers and, and number of fires that crop up, you know, during prime hiking season.
2: Yeah. Because people are going through that stuff. I mean, they're hitting, you know, Oregon. Yeah. August, Mm-hmm. sometimes late july right and that's the prime fire conditions right there
1: right i mean Every i w- actually wonder how many how many finishers to the pct there'll, there'll be this year that have done you know the,
2: whole, the yeah. whole thing
1: mexico to canada because there are huge swaths of the trail that could not be accessed because of fires
2: well and last year when i was saying we had three big fires right it took out a huge chunk of the pct mm-hmm. uh in the heart of oregon around uh Mount Jefferson and stuff like that, the wilderness there, which is so pretty, and I, yeah, I don't even know what that looks like. I haven't been up there since, but I I can imagine there's probably a ton of blowdown and, you know, not fun stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, crazy stuff.
1: All right, hey, let's move on to some positive stuff here. (laughs) Yeah,
2: right. Let's let's
1: get this. Let's uplift the audience a little bit here. Let's (laughs) let's talk about your 50 miler. You know. I'm training for a marathon. I've done a marathon three times before and 26.2 miles. That's a long way to drive in a car, let alone run. And so taking it to the next step and doing a 50 miler, I mean, how do you prepare for that mentally and physically?
2: Yeah. Good question. I think people can do a lot more than they think they can do though. I really do. And, uh, for me, yeah. One of the hardest parts of the 50 miler was actually the, the consistent training. I thought, um, I just felt like I was just I never did anything else, but I just ran my weekends were running and just running and running and running. Right. And so, but I think one of the biggest things with the, with the 50 miler was I was also doing, I was mixing in strength training, right. Too, because I just, my thing was, I just did not want to get injured and I was doing other things too, like jujitsu and stuff like that. And so I think strength training, strength training, it makes a huge difference, especially in injury prevention. Um, and I think that, you know, as far as the mental side of the 50 miler, you got to cut it into section. You got to cut it into chunks. So I kind of was, I think I had it in, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to run two, you know, I'm going to run 20 miles. Then I'm going to run another 20 miler. Then I just have 10 to finish, you know, cause you know what a 20 mile run feels like, you know what, you know, so well now you have two back to back, but whatever. And then, you know, 10 mile run, whatever, man, that's, that's fine. No,
1: see, it's the whatever part that I can't get my mind around. You, you say, okay, I've done a 20 mile. You're just going to do another one well, whatever. No, I, I yeah. how do you do 20 and then 20 more and then 10 more after that?
2: that I actually, that yeah. is,
1: that's crazy.
2: Well, I'll tell you how it's ibuprofen land. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I actually, I, so it's funny because I never take ibuprofen like ever. And, but I brought it that day just in case. And so I took some at like mile 35 and I just took like 200 milligrams Dude, and I had the best, I had the best miles from 35 to 40. I came in that aid station. I was, dude, I was rocking out, man. And then I sat down, which was killer. Should have never done that. Sat down because girlfriend Haley went to go get some watermelon because I couldn't eat anything really at the aid stations. Didn't My stomach was kind of screwed up, which ginger ale was awesome for that, by the way. I see why people drink that because that remedied it uh, pretty well sat down, she came back, ate a little bit, tried to get up. Oh my gosh. And I just was, you know, I was hunched over. Like I was like 85 years old and trying to get back into the groove of the 10 miles was very tough. So I'll never, I don't think I'll ever do that again. (laughs) So
1: sit down or another 50 miler.
2: No, I think like sit down for an extended period of time. Like I, without maybe, I think maybe it would be fine for me if I was maybe stretching or something, but I just like seized up and, you know, cause other people were sitting down. I'm like, Oh, but I don't know, man. It just, it didn't work for me. And, and so, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. And I also like, I took, I was taking way too long at aid stations. I could have finished it way faster I think than I, than I could have, but I didn't know what I wanted to eat. And I was just taking too long at these things. I don't know what I was doing. So
1: Okay. You care, you care to share your finishing time?
2: I think it was, I think it was, it was 11 hours and something, something like that. Yeah. 11 something. I, I can't remember what it is, but we might be running a 50 miler in November here. So I want to, I want to top that. Okay. I want to, I want to, I want redemption.
1: Is this a 50 miler trail race or a street race?
2: Yeah. It's a trail race. Yeah. Trail race. Okay. Yeah. So
1: a lot yeah. of elevation involved.
2: Yeah. I think it was like 6,000. It was actually only like 6,000 feet of vert over the 50 miles, which isn't honestly that bad. There was a lot of downhill though. So it was like 10 K down, which, you know, sounds kind of nice, but you know, it does really kind of beat up your quads after a while, you know? So, but yeah, no, it was fun. It was great. And uh, a great experience met a lot of cool people, met a lot of older gentlemen and, and ladies that were just crushing it and super inspiring to me. I mean, they whooped me, you know, and it was, I asked them, I was like, what is the key to doing this at your age? And they were like, never stop, you know, consistency. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that was super inspiring to me.
1: Okay. Now on my marathons, I always seem to cramp up around mile 19. My calves will cramp up, just seize up lock. It's just brutal. And so now I'm thinking that, uh, you know, I'm a little bit older and wiser and have, have gone through the, the training process and, and, you know, the, the mentality of, you know, long days out on the, in the Sierras on the trail and, right. uh, thinking maybe electrolytes and constant, constant hydration yes. and fueling consistent fueling along the, along the, the race is, uh, might be the key here. So what, what is, what is your strategy for fueling yourself during a 50 miler?
2: Such a great question. So, number one, I love your electrolytes idea, right? That is something super important that I didn't really realize the importance of till um, I cramped on my first fifty k, right? And I was like, "What is going on?" It was scary, right? It's mm-hmm. like you don't think you're going to finish, and so I now have uh, I take finish this... finish.
1: I didn't think I was going to be able to take another step. <laughs> <I know.
2: laughs> your whole body's like yeah. just ah, <sighs> just in pain. Yeah. So I this brand called element. And so they have like, um, some salt, salty, like little stuff you can put in your drink. Love it. Super good. I'll usually start off with that. And then I'm definitely popping salt pills every 45 minutes to an hour for sure. So I'll bring however many hours, I think I'm going to be out there. I'll usually bring one or two for those hours. And honestly, doc, these things are a godsend. I'm telling you. Yeah. So we did like a, you know, we did a, a a traverse, a 24 mile. No, it was only 22 mile traverse in the Eagle Caps in, um, in Oregon. This is like, they call it the little Alps and it looks like Sierra type. It's 10,000 feet. We're traversing ridges. There's not really a trail. It took us all day and we didn't have water for, I mean, the last, I mean, probably the last three hours of it probably or so, something like that. And it was super exposed and we were popping salt pills and, I really think that's the reason why I like was able to get through that. And and I didn't have a headache. I didn't have, you know, everything was fine. I was just like really thirsty. And I really think that that had something to do with, with that. And yeah, I don't know. It was crazy. And then as far as, you know, fueling goes, we actually, we did another, we did a 24 mile this couple days ago. (laughs) I went with a buddy who's kind of a little bit new. He, what did he bring? What do you think he brought? for his nutrition on this trail.
1: He brought 22 goo packets.
2: Oh God. That actually, Oh God, that actually might even be worse. I, he brought three burgers, burgers. Like from Burgerville, which is like this place in Oregon. Yeah. So he had one for breakfast and then he had one when we took our first break. And then another one, when we took like a second break and you know, that's kind of all he brought. And you know, in my mind, right now, if I'm doing anything that's close to like a 10 hours or something like that, I got to bring like 3,000 calories. I just I mow calories down, and so he was bonking pretty hard because he just didn't have the calories, you know. And so for me, I've started to kind of transition to more regular food. Actually, I've seen myself do um, some more like nuts, and uh, I still bring gels and stuff, but do like nuts and I do like tortilla trail food, like tortillas and Nutella. Nutella is bomb. And, uh, I, I do spam too. So, okay. uh, yeah. And so I kind of go to trail food now and it's been working for me pretty well, but, and the only reason I know is because I've bonked so many times with not bringing enough calories myself and I've had to rely on other people. So, um, I've really like made it a point to track what am I, what am I eating? How many calories I used to just throw in stuff in my pack and then I'd run out of course. Um, but now I actually like count my calories when I put them in my pack. (laughs) So,
1: okay. Do you have a list that you work off of or
2: not? So for the CT I do, um, Mm -hmm. and I never, I was good on the CT with calories and stuff like that, but trail running for me is a little bit different. I don't know why, but I seem to just buzz down food. I mean, I guess you're running, but you're still kind of doing like the same amount of work sometimes it seems like, but yeah, I don't know what it is. So I just, like I said, I try to get like 2,500 to 3,000 if I'm doing like mid twenties to 30 mile run for sure. Um, and I think that might be a lot for some people, but I just, I'm constantly hungry. Okay. Oh,
1: all right. Very good. Uh, anything else from the, from the 50 mile you want to talk about?
2: Uh, like I said, that was my first instance of my stomach going south which is a common thing for people and I had never experienced it never experienced it on my training runs my 50k nothing my stomach just I couldn't eat everything like I just was nauseous and then this older gentleman was like hey you gotta try some ginger ale at the aid station and I'm like I haven't drank soda for probably 10 years (laughs) I'm like whatever (laughs) so I try I only have just like a couple inches of it. And it was boom, just like that. I was back to normal. And so I'm a, I'm a believer in the ginger ale and all that kind of stuff. So that's a, that's a good hack right there.
1: Hooch is a ginger ale believer.
2: Yeah. You got me, you know, the, you know, how mom always used to do that for me back in the day. So I guess it worked.
1: And, and your training for the 50 mile. This is your first 50 miler, right?
2: This is my first. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What is the longest distance you ran prior to in your, in your training for the 50 miler?
2: I think it was marathon distance a couple times. Yeah. I think it really? was. Really? Yeah. I don't think it. Yeah. I don't think it was anything. Oh no. I did run a 50 K. I did run a 50 K. That was the longest.
1: Okay. Yep. But that's, that's 30 miles. That's still 20 miles short. <laughs> yeah. Short that's what yeah. the actual race is.
2: Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. So yeah, when I got done with that other, that 50k, I was like, wow, okay, so I have 20 more miles. (laughs) That's kind of trippy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know how I would react after those 31, those first 31. Um, But you know, once you kind of cross that, now you're PR, PR PRing. And I kind of got fuel from that, I think. So I was like, dang, like I'm, I'm kicking ass right now. You know what I mean? So I was getting fuel from that, I think.
1: Yeah. So it was the training philosophy. If you can do 30 miles, you can do 50 miles. It's just a matter of, that's, it's just a, it's just a mental game
2: Honestly, and, that's and,
1: ca- and consistently fueling yourself.
2: That's honestly what I think. Yeah. And you know, having the strong enough ligaments, you know, I mean, you know, as, as long as you're running consistently, you have good enough ligaments and tendons and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, that's honestly what I think. Exactly what I think. Yeah.
1: That is just crazy that you are in preparing for a 50 miler. The longest distance you run in training is 30 miles. You've got another, you know, uh, 40% to go. Right. That's. that's
2: And if you think about it though, like when you're at, when you're running the 50 mile or, or, you know, when you're on your line for your marathon, right. Mm -hmm. You've already ran 98% of the miles, fry you know what i mean like that you needed to run to get to this marathon now you just have the 2% left that's the 26 miles of the marathon right? right you've put in all this work right now you just have 2% left so i think it helps to think about it like that too where it's like so when i got to like 31 when i was actually running the race it's like dude i have like half a percent of like all the training that i've done to now complete you know what i mean like yeah. what i've been trying to do And it's like, oh, gosh, I got to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it because just a a marathon training program is probably 450 miles over over the previous, you know, three months leading up to the marathon. So you've already run 450 miles. Now you just have the last 26.2 to do.
2: Exactly. Like, what is that percentage of the 450? So it's like, yeah. And so when you're in the middle of your race, you know, half that or whatever. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now I heard you talk about uh in your comments earlier about some some uh some high routes or some traverses that you also have, have done since
2: last March. Yes. So we did <laughs> So yeah, we did the Herwall Divide traverse. That's in the Eagle Caps. Amazing. You got to visit the Eagle Caps. It's Eagle Caps are in amazing. Oregon. They're in Oregon. They're in Oregon. It's the best place to go in Oregon. If you're going to backpack, if you're going to trail run, if you're going to do any of that, go to the Eagle Caps. 100% best place in Oregon. How close uh,
1: how close are those to you?
2: not close. <laughs> like six Like I,
1: I couldn't crash at your place. And then you give me a ride to the Eagle. Cats. Oh
2: yeah. No, it, it would be at six and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. It's quite a ways. So we we did that. And then, um, we did a backpack of the Alpine lakes high route. So that's in Northern Washington, which Northern Washington is sick too. And the, the Alpine lakes high route is 22, 24 miles, right? Sounds super easy. But a lot of it's off route and it takes forever. Talus, all that kind of stuff, right? We had this giant, ambitious plan to do the high route, but plus go down the PCT, go up another off route thing, summit this Mount Henman, come down. This whole elaborate thing it was gonna be about 40 miles. And I told my buddy, I was like, dude, I think this isn't gonna work out. <laughs> like, I think this is gonna be way harder than we think. Well, you know, whatever, blah, blah. And first day, I mean, we get to the Alpine lakes high route, we're in the middle of it. And we're like, no way we're doing this 40 miles. No way it would take us years to do it. And so we just ended up completing the the high route and it was great. And I got addicted to the off trail travel. I think it's a good adventure. Um, it's fun to like pick your route. It's fun to, you have to be focused on the boulders and the talus going around all that kind of stuff. And, um, it, to me, it's more, a little bit more of an adventure. I like it.
1: Okay. So it's, it's, you, what you're describing is like wayfinding. You've got uh, yeah. a location in the distance that you've got to get to, but there's no clearly defined path to walk on.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't have a trail. I mean, right. you probably have a GPX route, right. Um, of a general route. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm out here freaking Christopher Columbus style or, you know, some weird, you know, L- something like Clark. that. Lewis and Clark. That'd be a there better analogy. Yeah. No boats uh, so,
1: involved.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> True. You know, so I'm not doing I'm not like, you know, so but it is you do sometimes like, yeah, you have to read the topo maps and see like, okay, is this GPX route the best route to go? Should I go a different route? Like, um, I was listening to some some things on high routes and people were talking about you get some people get too focused in and locked in on the GPX route, and they don't read the topography and, that, and that's what happened to us a little bit. And then we kind of started to figure out, okay, we need to look at the topography, this doesn't make any sense, we got to go this way or whatever. And so we would find a little bit better of a route. Um, but then we also learned that we weren't as good at reading topo maps as we thought either. So, so that was a whole new learning experience as well. Yeah.
1: Okay, sounds like quite an adventure out there. Who, which buddy did you go with?
2: So I went with David um, and Steve. So uh, David's been a good buddy. That, well, actually, I've met both of them on the Timberline Trail, which is also mm-hmm. a great trail. Uh, Steve moved back to freaking Ohio for whatever reason, but he's coming back. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> and then David's up in Seattle, so we we get together quite often and uh, do runs and things like that, and mountains. And so it's good. It's good to have buddies that are uh, like minded and you know, have strengths to your weaknesses and and stuff like that.
1: For sure, for sure. Now you mentioned the Mount St. Helens trail run. Is that just a couple of days
0: ago?
2: Yeah. No. So well, so I've actually well, two weeks ago I did a 50k just by myself around Mount St. Helens. Yeah. So it's called the Lewitt Trail. Beautiful okay. trail. Um, And that just circumnavigates St. Helens. And then uh, a couple of days ago we went up back in the same area and we did a couple different. um, peaks in a loop and yeah you could see like st Helens the whole time and stuff like that but it wasn't actually around the mountain but it was super it was super cool yeah
1: got it got it and i remember last time we talked we we were talking about an injury that you had sustained in (laughs) martial arts yeah didn't you you, something with your shoulder you like did you tear your bicep or what was that
2: Good, good, dude. Good, good memory. Yeah. So I tore my bicep in, yeah, last October, about a, about a year ago. And that's what got me into the 50 K in the first place. Cause Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I can't do jujitsu. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's healing up great. Um, I don't even really think about it anymore. It gets a little bit sore when I do, you know, the curls for the girls, but other than that, it's, it's not too bad right now. It's healed. Great. Yeah.
1: That's right. It was jujitsu, right?
2: Yeah, man, it was an arm. It was like an you, arm
1: you have to you have to listen to right. last week's episode, which was, uh, of course, by the time this episode comes out, it's probably four or five weeks ago. But um, uh, Jack Jack Ryan Greener and he, he his story of his, his trail name, not trail name, his his Instagram name is Paralyzed to Peaks, and he talks about how he was he had his neck broken in a jujitsu training accident by a by a trainer with 30 years of experience and uh he he went from being a quadriplegic and not being able to breathe on his own to uh being on top of mount whitney a few weeks ago so an an incredible story
2: Un, unbelievable that gives me the chills man i'm definitely gonna listen to that that that's unreal that makes my bicep injury look like absolutely nothing
1: <laughs> yeah you know what i'm i'm not doing jujitsu that's for sure
2: yeah right. <laughs> no kidding man yeah i my buddy just i think he tore his pec just a couple of weeks ago and it's not it's supposed to be the gentle art but i don't know dude
1: <laughs> yeah and have you earned any any recent honors in jujitsu
2: yeah. I actually, I actually just uh, got my purple belt in, in jujitsu. So that was, that was a big deal. Um,
1: Congratulations.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was pretty cool. Didn't really know that I was going to do it or get it. And uh, yeah, it was, it's been awesome. It, it, it's cool to like get recognized for, you know, your hard work and stuff like that. So.
1: Mm-hmm. So take me great. through the levels of belts. I mean, start off with a white belt and then what's next.
2: Yeah. So yeah. So your first belt is a white belt and at that level, your first six months to really a year, you basically are drowning in water. Um, you're trying to tread water and you have to have the mentality that you enjoy, almost enjoy kind of getting like beat up in a way. Um, you have to like totally sacrifice your ego and just accept (laughs) that you are going to get pretty much railroaded for the first year. Um, and it's just going to happen. Uh, and a lot of people don't make it through that vetting process. Um, you don't see a lot of people come back, unfortunately. Uh, the next one is blue belt. And so, you know, you can finally, now you're not the lowest on the totem pole. You can start working your offense a little bit to the, to the newer people, but you're still getting pretty much worked. It's your turn. It's your
1: turn to beat up the new people.
2: Yes. It's your turn. Finally. And you, you feel like a stud until, you know, then the, the bigger fish comes along and just, you know, again, railroads you. So, uh, and then yeah and then purple belt is you're kind of the intermediate level the the and i've been doing it for man, it's 2021 i've been doing it for five years i think now so and i just got that and you know that's where they say it's the most fun you kind of playing around with what your style is going to be and then
0: mm-hmm.
2: brown belt is basically a black belt you just got to get tapped out more times and then you have a black belt after about usually 10 years or so is, is the
1: average so so you're right in the middle then with the with the purple belt
2: yeah, like yeah, that's that's definitely the goal is to get my black belt for sure, hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. I'm in it for the the long term. I guess I like that kind of stuff, the endurance, <laughs> like outlast stuff.
1: And so, did what? I mean, what was there a competition where you had to demonstrate some level of proficiency to get the purple belt? How does that work?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. So some gyms do that, where you have to like yeah demonstrate some things. Our gym's more of a how do you, when you compete, like, how do you do against people, your level? Cause you mm-hmm. compete in your weight class, your belt level and stuff like that. So if you're, you know, if you're doing really well in competitions, then, you know, usually they'll see that and like, hey, you should be promoted or whatever. Um, although we haven't really had competitions in the last 18 months because of COVID. So it's more about how are you doing in, in the gym against similar people, similar partners against your coach and stuff like that. Um, you don't have to compete to get a belt by the way, or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's just, that is an easier way to like, kind of gauge how you are because it's a super stressful setting and you're going against people, literally your exact same size, same belt level and all that kind of stuff.
1: And does, uh, does your, is there a trainer or is there mean what do you, what do you call the, the guy in charge of your gym?
2: Sensei. No, I'm just kidding. Sensei? <laughs> no, just sensei? Kidding. no, no, no. No, he would That's kill. Karate me if kid, I said right? yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he no. would kill. Oh, me. He. No, he just I we just call him Brian. He he's actually he was the youngest black belt in Oregon at one time, um, when he was in his younger twenties. He's about 28 now. Mm-hmm. And so he's teaching grown men. Right. And he can just whoop these guys. Like it's nothing like, it's just nothing. It's like playing with the toddler. It's the craziest thing. Right. And
1: so does Brian have like a checklist in front of him and he watches, uh, hooch in uh, in a, in, in combat against somebody else. And he says, yep, he's checked all these boxes and he comes up to you afterwards and says, Hey, hooch, here's your purple belt. I mean, is that how it works or
2: dude? That is like, the thing is like, I, I honestly, I don't really know how it works. Cause I've okay. never like belted anybody. Um, I mean, he certainly isn't walking around the checklist though, but it, I mean, he's probably watching it. I spar with him a lot. So he probably knows that I'm maybe getting better, I guess. I don't know, but you always feel like you're not getting better because when you start getting better, they just start going harder against you. And then you just, right. you, and they're always six steps ahead of you. So they already know what you're going to do before you even know you're going to do it. And it's like, you just feel like, just like what am I doing, man? Uh, But like, yeah, like I said, other gyms, they, they can be real strict on, on some of that kind of stuff, but ours is pretty, ours is pretty laid back. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, Hoot, you have been a very busy guy since last March. What, what's next for you?
2: Busy dude. Uh, We actually have a crevasse training course coming up at the end of the month. So we're going to be throwing some of our buddies in a crevasse and trying to get them out, I guess, at this guiding place. It's a guide, Yeah. The guide's going to take us.
1: So what, I mean, what kind of organization is this? Is it through REI or what? what is this?
2: Yeah, it's called like pro guiding services up uh, near Seattle around in there or something like that. So, okay. Uh, so is there,
1: is there mountaineering in your future if you are preparing yeah. for crevasses? Yeah.
2: Remember? So last time I was uh, on the podcast, I was thinking about doing Mount hood and my stupid roommate that's still here. He's, he's done Mount hood, but he had no idea what he was doing. And so he always gives me crap about being the only person in the house that's done hood. And, but anyway, I never did it. Uh, I decided against it. I needed more experience for it. And so I've done some peaks in between there. And, but yeah, it's definitely on my hit list for, for next year. Um, and then I got a split board, do that kind of stuff, split board down. Mm-hmm. But like for Rainier, you need to know, glacier travel. So you need to know how to travel on ropes, you need to know how to crevasse rescue. So it's same with other peaks in Washington. So that's why we're taking it and yeah, um so you got to learn the knots and do all that kind of stuff, get all this fancy cool gear and it's been it's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> Sounds like you're getting yourself ready for Everest.
2: You know, maybe one day. Yeah, yeah. maybe me, honestly, maybe one day, yeah. I I was listen- actually it's funny. I was listening to an audiobook on the CT about this guy. I can't remember his name, but he did all of the 8,000 meter summits. And one of them was Everest. They talked about the big Everest 98 accident. I believe it was. And he was there and I was like, Oh dude, like, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> like maybe not, but uh, yeah, no, it could be, could be in the future. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Listen to season two episode, I think 47 or 48. It was uh, Dina Zabaldo. She won the 2013 world guide award. They only give one of those out no per way. year on, on the entire planet. And she, uh, she got it for her work as a guide in the Everest region. She wasn't taking people up to the top of Everest, but in, she was, you know, in that area leading, leading, uh, I don't, I don't want to call them expeditions, leading treks out there. And it sounds like an incredible place. I, I, you know, I would love to go to Duh, View and, and do a little go, hiking out there. Yeah. yeah.
2: Or even go to Everest Base Camp.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: I have some people I know that are doing that this year. Um, I think it's this year. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be an, a huge experience. I mean, and just even getting out there is like, that's a huge trek to just get to Base Camp. And Base Camp's still at like Eight, freaking
1: 18,000, like, I think. Yeah, yeah,
2: dude. Like that ain't, you know, you ain't screwing around at that.
1: No. So, what happens first for Hooch, uh, Everest Base Camp or a long trail like the PCT?
2: Dude, Doc. So, I think 500 miles is the cap on my through hiking. Okay. I think that's going to be the longest I through hike. And the reason why is um, I, yeah, I, I just, I like eating healthy and I don't feel, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. don't, you know, I'm eating crap on the trail and I'm whatever and I love jujitsu and I'm not doing that. And, whatever, whatever. And I don't think, I don't really think the PCTs in my plans. I think it's going to be more shorter through hikes. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be more ultras, definitely mountaineering. I think those are the three. And then like high routes. I think those are what's going to be that. uh, That's what does it for me right now. I think. Okay.
1: So the Colorado trail, that's, that's about the, the longest. I think,
2: I think so. I think, you know, I'll do like the long trail and the TRT and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, but yeah. I don't know. 500. I was good. I was like, I'm yeah. good. I think I'm good, man. I think I'm good. <laughs> nice.
1: And do you, is there a hundred miler, uh, yes. Ultra in your future.
2: Yep. Next year I'm going to be doing that. So that's yeah, going to be big. Um, where,
1: where, where will that race be?
2: I think it's just going to be a local race in Oregon. So probably, um, through the Cascades somewhere in there, like, um, there's a couple different ones that they have. Um, I do like if I'm able to complete that, I would love to, like, do, like, the Hard like the Hard Rock or Leadville mm-hmm. 100, you know, um, some, like, real tough. And then, eventually, I would love to do, like, the UTMB. I would love to, like, just go to Europe and hit that. I think that's the whole scene. That you know,
1: sounds pretty cool. cool, the UTMB. That, that yeah. sounds awesome.
2: Yeah. But I might have a totally different change of mind once I... <laughs> miles.
1: And I yeah. You, you mentioned dead. Gabe and Kevin at the, the beginning of this episode. Yeah. And in my latest conversation with Gabe and Kevin, uh, Gabe let slip that Kevin is like one of the premier 200 milers out there. And he actually had a top five finish in a, a 200 miler recently. So oh, one dude. of the, one of the, I mean, all 200 milers are hard, I would imagine, but this is like <laughs> one of one of the hard ones.
2: <laughs> one uh, of the real, real hard the ones. The real, real yeah, hard yeah. ones. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That, 200 miles is that i can't count you know like you're saying like 20 more miles after the 200 miles i'm like what yeah That's you know wild. if you
1: can run 30 if you can run 30 miles i guess you could run 200, 200 two. yeah no yeah. kidding no he serious
2: no seriously right you know <laughs> i was actually uh to that point real quick i was listening to another podcast this uphill train uh uphill athlete podcast really good they were talking about muscular endurance for um these types of endurance activities because this guy was like a PA, like a physician's assistant, couldn't get out much. He ran Mm -hmm. 53 miles, was like his longest training week. He ended up doing the Tour de Jean, which is like 200 and some miles, and was just crushing it. Crushing the downhills, blah, blah, blah. And he was doing a lot of this muscular endurance, kind of like hit, high rep stuff with his legs. And they said, they thought that that was one of the key factors to him doing very well. So, that's kind of good news. Like, <laughs> cause I don't want to be running all week. Like,
1: I don't no. know. No. And you know what, before, I, before I went to the Sierras this past summer, um, during my training and runs, I, I hate doing Hills. I, I hate, you know, running elevation. Yeah. I do not enjoy it at all. Came back from the Sierras and I'm just, I've just been destroying the Hills I mean, hundred percent. It's, uh, If you want to, if you want to get those legs, go, go do some hiking in the Sierras.
2: Dude, I honestly think one of the best cross trainings for a hundred mile or a 26, you know, 26 Mm -hmm. miles or any kind of ultra is through hiking. You have a bag, it's time on your feet Mm -hmm. and continuous reps. And once you remove that bag, you feel like you're flying up these hills now. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. Yeah, that's right. So that's great, man.
1: All right. Hoochie, you know where we are?
2: probably the is it the insider the pro tip, tip of, inside of the week uh, that's right
1: hooch what do you got for us
2: oh my a gosh little,
1: a little piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better
2: um i would say i think my last one was what well, was prior prioritize adventure i think right yeah. yeah i think that was what it was oh my gosh i don't have one prepared for this time but what i would say is you know for all I meet a lot of people and they don't have people to go with uh, trail running, hiking, that kind of stuff. Right. And that's a big obstacle for them. And I think one of the best ways to get, get a partner, get someone, you know, maybe you don't know them yet or whatever, but how, do, how do you meet those people? But I literally, I think the best, you know, you say it, the trail, you know, the trail, it provides the trails, a trail, right. Mm-hmm. But there is also something like, when you go to trail run, like I meet all these people and you just start talking with them, you're like-minded and you just kind of form this bond instantly. And I think it's a great way to meet people. You already are kind of vetting them because like, they're on the same trail as you seeing what they're like or whatever. And I think it's a great way to uh, meet people for your next like adventures. Um, and that's how I met like some of my best adventure buddies right now is, is honestly just on the trail. Um, so that's the advice I would give to, to people that, you know, don't have a lot of, and they don't want to go by themselves. Right. Um, you'll meet somebody on the trail and hopefully you can become good friends with them. All right. Yeah.
1: Well said. There you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners in time, enjoyed our time with Hooch. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Hooch how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures?
2: Appreciate that. I'll go real fast. Instagram is at Chattahoochee underscore. Same with TikTok. Yes. TikTok. TikTok TikTok
1: in it. All right.
2: TikTok, baby. And then, uh, yeah, Chad Lubinsky on YouTube if you want to see the uh, Colorado Trail videos.
1: Yeah, I'll be tuning into that. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymir at gmail.com. Hooch, also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the outdoor adventure experience. We're calling this our, our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us?
2: Okay. Uh, the Mediocre Amateurs on YouTube. That's what they're called, but they're not mediocre or amateurs by any means. They're like flying choppers to these places and mountaineering and trail running and doing high routes. I, it would be if you could get one. I've never heard them on a podcast. If you could get them on a podcast, doc, you would be the man. Uh, But yeah, I, I love their YouTube channel. Super entertaining. They're super funny and they go to some crazy places. And, um, you know, they're like uh, almost 50 years old at this point and they're just crushing it. So super inspiring too.
1: Okay. I will, I'll try, I'll try and get them booked. Mediocre amateurs. Yeah. Very good. Hey, this isn't exactly Adventure Media, but I have to I have to share with our listeners and with you that we were just flipping through, um, what was it? I think it was HBO Max, and I just happened to be looking through a documentary section, and I came across this documentary called Class Action Adventure. No, class. Class Action Park. Class Action Park. Heard of it? No. So there was this amusement park. It was a water park. One of the first ones in the world, built in New Jersey in 1978, and it was uh, there was a recent movie out with Johnny Knoxville about uh, some 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 adventure park that had no rules and no regulations, and people were getting hurt and thrashed. And this was this was the the real life story that that movie was based upon. It's called Action Park in New Jersey. It was in operation from 1978 to like 1996. Wow. Just the story of the owner and the rides that he put out there and uh, the things that happened. And it was a dangerous place. I mean, you talk about, you know, it was just a real contrast to all of the regulation that we have in our lives now and, you know, parents and, you know, keeping a really strict eye on their kids and knowing exactly what they're doing and tracking their location on their iPhones and whatever else. This was back in the day when, you know, none of that existed. And these kids, you know, teenagers were going to this, this water park in New Jersey called action park and you have got to check it out. It is <laughs> nuts. Absolutely nuts. Dangerous place. Very what's dangerous. It,
2: what's it called again?
1: Class action park.
2: Class action park. Is that because it was a class action lawsuit or what?
1: Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm lots, lots, what of, I was... lots of legal activity there.
2: Lots of legal activity. Yeah i love it
1: all right so check out the mediocre amateurs on youtube and check out class action park on hbo max nice okay and before we wrap things up i've got one more segment for you called what have i not asked you that you're dying to tell me about
2: gosh yeah so i wrote that one down on my notes and i did not i left it blank <laughs> um <laughs> uh let's see um oh, man doc what the heck uh i would say um I don't have anything.
1: <laughs> I don't, don't have anything. We covered I it all. You,
2: dude, you're a great interviewer, man. Like I, okay. I was actually sitting here when you were asking questions. I was like, I don't know how he does this. Um, it's super. I've tried to do it for a podcast once and it was super difficult. So you did a great job just pulling everything out. And okay, I feel like I was covered.
1: <laughs> Very good. Thank you, sir. That's a wrap from the John freaking mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family hooch?
2: Definitely. Haley, super supportive girlfriend, two roommates, uh, and of course mom dad and brother and sister
1: okay thank you for tuning in always remember the trail is the trail it doesn't care if you want to go downhill it doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite it doesn't even care if you camp in the middle of a bunch of poison sumac and spend <laughs> the rest of your trip scratching yourself the trail is the trail embrace the sock nice <laughs>